join with me now as we begin in James chapter 4, and we're going to go all the way through verse 6. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray over that one. Lord Jesus, your words are true, and they are holy, and they are pure. And Lord, we pray that you would take these words, Lord, and that you would sink them deep into our hearts, into our minds. Lord, we pray that you would just enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Lord, we ask for your wisdom, Lord, and we know that if we ask without doubting, Lord, even as your servant James said, Lord, you will give liberally. And so, Lord, we ask that you would reveal your heart to us through these words, through these holy scriptures, Lord. We praise you and thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I want to just ask you a quick question. Who is this letter to again? Is this to non-believers outside the church? Is this to the Church of Latter-day Saints? Is this to the Jehovah's Witness? Who is this to? This is to us. This is a, I, I need you to understand who he is talking to because it's important because when we start getting into this whole thing like war and um, uh, adulterers and adulteresses and, and, and all of these kind of things, you know, fighting and war, and he uses that again, and lust, you kind of think like, does that sound like the church? Right? Does that sound like agape? But see, that's who he's addressing. Why? Remember, why, why are, is James writing this letter? It's that the believers may become mature believers, may walk in greater maturity. You know, these are things, these are basic foundational issues within the faith. And he's saying, guys, you need to walk in them. Don't just talk about them. Don't just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. But he wants to see the evidence of your faith being lived out practically among yourselves, okay, and among myself. I'm part of that. He says, so where do wars, and it's literally wars or battles, and fights or contentions come from? And notice what he says, among you. So this isn't a political thing. He's not saying, hey, I've been watching CNN, and there's all these battles and wars, and where do those battles and wars come from? That's not what he's asking, right? He's not asking, oh, you know, this kingdom is rising up against that kingdom and that nation and that nation, or that political party against that political party. That's not what James is talking about. He said, where do wars and fights come from? Where? Among you, among me. This is within the body of Christ that he's asking. These are wars and contentions. These are battles and and fighting among brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ who have all been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's who he's talking to. And it's important that we understand that, right? So where do wars and fights come from? Now, when when I thought of this, when I I read this, um, being a pastor, the first thing that I immediately thought of was church splits, right? Church splits. And so you know what I did? I went on Google, and this is what I typed in Google. I said, the most ridiculous reasons for church splits. 
that's what I put in. And I, I got the, I, I found this, um, this article. It was in a Christian, uh, mag, or a Christian newspaper. And um, I'm going to read a portion. It's, it's fairly lengthy, but I just listen because it really sets the stage for what we're going to be talking about tonight. Okay. According to the Church Conflict Forum, only about 2% of the church conflict was over doctrinal issues. Doctrinal, that means like foundational biblical things. 98% was over interpersonal issues. Some have split over the color of the proposed carpet. One church split over a piano bench. That one was actually resolved by going to two services where the piano bench was taken outside for one service and dragged back in the church for the next service. One church split over the spelling of the word hallelujah. I guess the other, they were saying maybe hallelujah. You see that in some of the songs, right? Um, so uh, that was one of them. Um, let's see here. Another church split over whether a certain Hebrew letter was pronounced wow or vav. Are you serious? Now, uh, these things are actual splits. These church actually, that means there was a battle and a fight and a war and the church actually broke in half. And they started two separate churches over whether you pronounce wa or vav. Are you serious? Yes. Okay. Have you ever had, this, the author goes on to say, have you ever had the feeling that maybe just perhaps we Christians are susceptible to becoming a little unbalanced at times over minor issues? Yes. He says, my personal favorite story, if church splitting can be considered a favorite, is the Presbyterian church splits in the little town of Centerville, Georgia population of around 5,000 people. So it's, it's a little town of 5,000 people, okay? And he says, it all started with one original Presbyterian church that had an internal conflict around 1911 over whether to take up the offering before or after the sermon. That's what they got in a fight about. The splitting off church became the Centerville Reformed Presbyterian Church. Now, just four years later, another church split occurred over whether to have flowers in the sanctuary or not. So there's church split number two. The church that split off was renamed Trinity Reformed Presbyterian Church of Centerville. A total of seven more splits uh, happened between 1915 and 1929 over various issues. And by 1931, the latest edition was named Third Westminster Trinity Covenant Presbyterian Reformed Church of Centerville. More church, spl um, church splits occurred between 1931 and 1975 over the conservative liberal uh, bifurcation uh, within that de denomination. Since 1975, a few more church splits over various issues has brought the total number of church splits in that one town for that one denomination to 48, which is apparently a record. The last one, listen to this, was over whether or not it was a violation of the Sabbath day to check your email on your personal computer. There's a good reason to split a church, right? The church split over that quote-unquote issue. Now, some folks left the 2nd Street, 1st, 9th, Westminster Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church and renamed their new church the Presbyterian Totally Reformed Covenantial Westminsterian Sabbatarian Regulative Credo Communist Amillennial Presuppositional Church of Centerville. And, he, and the author goes, I'm not making this up, folks. Uh, the truth is often stranger than fiction. A teaching elder of that church, Paul Davis, in the PTRCWSRCCAPCC, to make it shorter, was quoted as saying, I think we finally got it right now. We have a church with 100% doctrinal purity. We're up to six people on Sundays now. I know that numbers are not important, but we're hoping to grow a little. 
Okay, guys, church split. Now, it's, it's, it's almost humorous, but I guarantee you that these church splits were not humorous. Right? We sit there and look at it and we go, this is ridiculous. Oh my, a piano bench? Really? I mean, that would be, that'd be literally like somebody was mad that we have that black bench right there and that they're literally going to split the church if we didn't get rid of that black bench. Okay? That's how ridiculous this is. Okay? But see, there are wars and there are fights even within the body of Christ. It does happen. Even my pastor Joey has had two church splits. Right? Both of which were by people that had been in sin that he called out and then they went around and just like slandered his name to every single person on the church. Um, there, there's like a, a phone list. That's actually why we don't have a phone list here. <laughs> but they literally went down the list of all the people on the phone list and the people that didn't really know Joey well or you know maybe they, there was just something about it that they, they liked the other person better, believed him and they left and took a church of like 100 and some odd down to like 50. Right? And that's happened on two different occasions uh, within that. So it's like, you guys, these wars do happen, and they do happen among the body of Christ. But remember, he's speaking to the body of Christ, and what is the body of Christ supposed to be exemplified by? What's the main characteristic? Love. Remember that. Keep that in mind, because uh, it's important. And, and he continues on saying, he says, Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? Right? So in the end, he's talking about, you know, within our own hearts, within our own selfish nature is where these desires come, right? In 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But now I guarantee you that money isn't the only thing, right? Pride is a great factor, Right in in warring and contention and strife and many people will pierce themselves through with many sorrows over pride over the right to be right right oh you know I had the last word oh I said this and I sure told him or I sure showed her and they will cause themselves great great sorrow and great great pain over that Jan actually told us a story of a guy, it's kind of a sad story, but in the same way, it's like, wow. But remember the guy who lit himself on fire with on oxygen in the cigarette? Okay, there was a guy at the hospital, and was it lung cancer that he had? Yeah, so he had, this guy had lung cancer, and he was sneaking cigarettes in his hospital room while he was on pure oxygen, okay? Well, the cigarette got a little too close to the oxygen, and kapoom, right? He killed himself. He pierced himself through for the love of this addiction that was killing him, which was the addiction that sent him to the hospital in the first place. Right, guys, our desire that wars within us, our own carnal nature, because like, hey, you know what, we're born again, for sure the Holy Spirit is living within us. You know, when that lady asked you, is this a spirit-filled church? I answered, yes, absolutely, because I know you. But even still, does that mean that we are glorified? Does that mean that we are set free from the curse, that we are set free entirely right now, this day, from the old nature? The answer is no. And if any of you said, well, really? Like, well, yeah, when was the last time you sinned? About an hour, about an hour ago, 15 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago during worship while I'm teaching, right? It's like, yeah, the sin nature is still there, right? But now you have the choice because now the spirit of God and your old nature are warring together one another, right? Fighting for supremacy within you. Okay. So these things are happening. There's a constant conflict. And, you know, even though 
you know, this guy killed himself by smoking in, with the pure oxygen. It's like, you know, we can do much more harm to ourselves and to our brothers and sisters in Christ by just needing to be right, by trying to have the last word, by, you know, m- maybe, you know, when we sign off that email or that text, we do it in kind of a grumpy, ambiguous way that they kind of go like, oh, are they mad at me? And, and making people feel uncomfortable, right? And sometimes it's intentional, right? We have to be careful, right? We have to be careful because these things, these fights, these battles, they are not meant to be. Right? We are called to be at peace with one another. We are called to love one another. And yet, because of our own selfish nature, we will set battles in motion. We will set contentions in motion. And we will stir them up. And we will think that we are right. And we will justify ourselves. And we'll say, oh, it's because of this. And oh, I'm right. Paul said, shouldn't you rather accept wrong than to be right and damage the body of Christ? Damage the name of Jesus Christ? I can't tell you how many times I've had, like me and my pastor Joey, have sat down with people where they were warring in the church over money or over issues like this, and we told the one person who was owed the money, forgive them the debt. Forgive them the debt. It's causing division among you. It's causing pain. It's causing like this awkwardness and pain within the church. And it's like, you know what? The money's not worth it. Forgive them the debt. My own pastor, he told me and my wife, Heidi, we loaned some people in the church some money. Right, they were having a really hard time, and they were they were doing those um, those paycheck cashing forwarding places. I don't know if you ever know those things are absolute fraud. Don't do it because they charge you five hundred percent interest. And if you're having to borrow money in the first place, are you ever going to be able to pay off five hundred percent interest? No, of course not. Right, it's a trap. Don't do it. But they had done it, and so we gave them some money in order to help them get out of that trap. Okay. Now Heidi and I had already decided, you know, long before. It's like, hey, you know what? If they can't pay it, who cares? You know, no big deal. But we wanted to make sure that they were mature and responsible. And so we were kind of holding them to it. It's like, hey, you know, make sure you pay the money. Here's the monthly payment. We set up a contract and everything. No interest or anything like that. Okay, we set it up. So that was going for a little while. And also they started struggling and they couldn't pay anymore. And Joey heard about it. And he goes, Brian, he goes, here's the thing. He goes, you're a pastor in the church. He goes, and the people of God cannot owe God money. He goes, you have to forgive the debt. And I was like, oh, I'd never thought about that. And it's like, you know, Heidi and I said it was a gift anyway. If they could pay it back, great. If they couldn't, no worries. And so, you know, I talked to him. I said, hey, you know what? We're going to forgive you your debt. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Right? It's better to lose money than to have people in bondage to you. Right? It's better to allow them to think they're right and to accept wrong rather than to damage the body of Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? He then goes on to say, you lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. Now, do we murder in the church? The last time I checked, the last time somebody got in a fight in here, nobody murdered each other, right? So what's he talking about here? Because he is, again, talking about the church. And I'm pretty sure even in James' day in the church, they didn't like pull out swords and start stabbing each other, you know, over like a doctrinal disagreement, right? That's pretty sure that's not what, what he's talking about there. But let's look at it this way. How many of you guys have seen, um, uh, like, children, you know, fighting over a friend's toy, right? One kid, see, if you hang out in the nursery at any time at all, right, you'll see it very quickly, right? The, the little child, he sees a friend's toy, and he wants it, right? He, mine, my toy, right? Or if they're maybe, like, one of them's mobile and the other one's not quite mobile up, they'll walk up and just grab it, 
and walk away, right? That's what they do, right? But here's the thing, but they're not, they can't have it, can they? And so then they get mad and they hate. Did you know little kids can hate? Oh yes, if you had any of your own, you'll know. They can hate, right? They hate and then they hurt. How many times, how many times have I had to stop my own children? Now, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but when they were little, right? Like, you know, Trinity trying to take Sarah's toy and we say no. And then she gets mad and she goes to like hit Sarah with the toy, right? Or Sarah goes, no, mine, mine, mine. And Trinity's like, ah, and like goes after her and like, we have to, whoa, stop it, stop it. And sometimes you stop them. Sometimes you miss and they get hit, right? That happens. It does. Come on. You guys know. Okay. They want, but they can't have, so they hate, and their hate leads them to hurt. It's a natural progression. It happens all the time. Every schoolyard across the country, Calvary Coast, the Mesa, wherever, Saddleback, any place that's got a church that has a, um, a schoolyard or even any secular school, that's exactly the way it happens. They want, they can't have, they hate, then they hurt. Okay? It happens just like all, all the time. Now, adults do the same thing. Now, if you really hate and then murder, then you're going to end up in jail, probably or run for office, but it's either that, or you do it in a different way, right? We hate, and we murder reputations, right? We hate, and we murder people's character by gossiping, by saying, oh, rah, 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 and spreading our venom from one person to the next, and turning people against them, so when people look at them, they don't go, oh, look, there's, you know, my friend in the church, they go, look at them, and go like, oh, look what they did to that person, they're mean, they're bad, Right? But that's what we do. We want whatever it may be. We can't have it. So then we hate and then we hurt. Right? We hurt people. We speak things against them. Right? That's what happens within the church. And then, you know, number two, going back to the children's illustration, it said, you know, they can't obtain. Why? Because the parents won't let them or the Sunday school teachers won't let them. So they try to take, they want, they try to take the, the Sunday school teacher or the parent says no. And, and, and then they get all upset. They get angry. And in the same way within the church or within, you know, within people in adult groups, God too will withstand the usurper. Right When we try to take something that isn't ours, when we want something that belongs to somebody else, a brother or a sister, whether it be just to win an argument or whatever, and we want, we can't have, and we begin to hate, and we try to take it by force, by, you know, by, by attacking them uh, around other people, then it, says, then, then it says that even if God allows them to, get, to be right or take possession of whatever it may be, he will not allow it to satisfy you guys remember the story of it's uh, David's son? I think it's Amnon. You remember that one? And he was in love with his half-sister. And he loved, he said that he loved, now it was lust, mind you. It wasn't really love. He lusted after his half-sister. He lusted after her. So then he was like all melancholy and oh. And then finally what he does, he pretends to be sick and asks that, that she would be sent to feed him, to prepare food in front of him and then to feed him. And he, like, he was just desirous after her. He was lusting after her. And she came you know, as a good sister. She made him food and, and, she, and she prepared it for him and gave it to him. And then he ended up raping her. And then it says that afterward he hated her with, with even a greater passion than he loved her. Right? See, that's what happens. Right? We want and then we take rather than receive. And then even if God does allow us to get away with it, even if he does allow us to have it, it doesn't satisfy 
right? It doesn't satisfy. The sweetest dessert will turn to ash in our mouth. And, and though our flesh may grow fat, our soul will grow lean. Right? We take, we take, we take, we, we blemish, we, we take, we bully, we get what we want, we, we, we prove ourselves right, we justify our behavior, and in the end, we become weaker and weaker spiritually, and we die within ourselves. Right? That is what happens. That is what happens in the absence of love. Right? This is what goes on. So then he continues, he says, you fight and you war. See, he says it again, it's just in reverse order. Um, I, I thought of you know, Mark 3.25, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house cannot stand. If the church is divided against itself, the church will not stand. Now you think about this, the church, the church, the body of Christ, that thing that even the gates of hell will not prevail against, yet we can destroy it. We can destroy it so readily, so easily by simply trying to get our own way. <laughs> he says, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And this is the part that I find fascinating. You know, so often we focus on the other thing. We focus on, oh, they've got that, and ooh, and they've got that, and ooh, 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 ooh. And we want it, and we take, and we, uh, and we, uh, and we do all this stuff. And instead of actually looking up and saying, wow, Lord, could I have one of those? Think about that. We sit there and like, the, like little kids in the nursery, mine, 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 and we go over and we try to take it. If we can't have it, we try to beat them over the head with it. Instead, if, we, if the little kid, right, if the little kid, little Joshy or Logan or, 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 or one of the little babies walks up to teacher and goes, teacher, have one? Right? What do you think the teacher's going to do? Oh, yeah, of course you can. Mm, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you know it, but those ladies love those kids, right? They love them. They want to bless them. They don't want to tell them no. See, because they're kids that they can spoil. They're like grandparents. They get to spoil them and send them home when they get all fussy. It's great, right? And in the same sense, so oftentimes we look with covetousness at one another and say, mine, 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 ooh, 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 and never once look up and say, Lord, can I have one? One of Heidi's favorite stories was the first time we went to Kauai. And, you know, we were, you know, going down, um, we were doing a river hike, or not a river hike, but we were on the canoes, and, and we were just paddling along, and our, we taught our kids this funny song, like when they'd want chocolate milk or something like that, that we made them sing this song, and it was just kind of cute, you know, may I please have chocolate milk, may I please have chocolate milk, may I please have chocolate milk, daddy, you're the best daddy in the whole wide world, and I love you, right, like, we, and we made them do that every time they wanted chocolate milk. Right, and so we're sitting there, and we're we're floating down this river, and I had been wanting a coconut from. It's like we're in Kauai. I want to get. I want a coconut, right? And so we're we're just going down this river, and I'm like, and Heidi and I were talking. All of a sudden, I just started like singing loud, loud, like full voice. Yo, may I please have a coconut? May I please have a coconut? May I please have a coconut? God, you're the best God in the whole wide world, and I love you. And bonk against my canoe. I look down. There's a coconut. And Heidi goes, No way. And I picked the canoe up, or the, the coconut up, and I'm like, yes. And I put it in there, and when we got home, I, I split it open, and you know, we had like the coconut milk in the whole bit. I'm not even joking, right? That was an actual thing. How often do we keep ourselves from the blessings of God because we simply don't ask? But instead, we begin to rah, and get angry at other people for the blessings in their life. Shame on us. 
Right? He says, then you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. That word amiss, it's kind of an interesting word, kakos. It means badly. So we ask badly. We ask with evil intent. It also means to harm, um, incorrect, severely. Have you ever like been angry at God and you say, God, you better give me this. Hopefully none of you have. But if you have, he'll forgive you. But like people can ask like that. Right? We can ask, you know, demanding from God, or we can ask with a motivation of jealousy towards our brother or our sister, or we can like even say, do it amiss in the sense that we like make a vow, Lord, if you give me this, then I will do this, never intending to do it in the first place. Right? Right? All of those things are ways that we can ask and not receive because we ask in a wrong manner. Why? That we may spend it on our pleasures. Right? Now, remember, God gives every good and perfect gift that is from above, but he doesn't necessarily give you everything that is going to damage you just because you want it. If my kid said, Daddy, 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 there's a vape shop right over there. That looks cool. Can I have one? Absolutely not. But it's just steam. Yeah, and a very highly addictive chemical inside it. No, absolutely not. I know you may like it. I know you may want it. And it may even feel good. But you know what? You ain't getting it. Why? Because I know better. You absolutely will not have that, Chloe. Right? It's like, no, it's not going to happen. Right? I don't care if it was Sarah or Livy or anybody. If Heidi asked me, I'd be like, ain't it going to happen? She's not going to do that, though. But it's like, there's just no way. There's no way. Right? We can ask it in a wrong sense. And so then he says, adulterers and adulteresses. Now this is important to understand because it's like, wait a second. He's talking about the church again, right? The church, that's pretty heavy words, pretty hard words. Is he talking about, oh, you went out and cheated on your wife? Or, oh, you went out and cheated on your husband? Is that what he's talking about? No. He's talking about spiritual adultery. He's talking about adultery, unfaithfulness to God. Right? In Luke sixteen thirteen, this is Jesus speaking. If you're taking notes, write it down. He says, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or mammon is a, it's a God of money. Okay. You can't serve God and money, right? And when we try to get things, when we try to increase in this world, when we covetously seek after the things that our brothers and our sisters have, and we war and we battle and we fight over them, guess what? We are being unfaithful to God. Right? We are being unfaithful to Him. And we are worshiping something else. Right? And so He says, adulterers and adulteresses, He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now, anybody here know what enmity means? It's not a word that we use all the time, you know, here. It means deep-seated hatred. Ooh. Now, here's an interesting question. How can friendship with one be equal to hatred of the other? Can't you like both? Right? Any of you guys ever had, like, friends who maybe don't get along it's when you were, like, in grade school or something like that, and you were friends with both of them? Right? Can't you do that with God and, and like, money and things like that? Doesn't that work? Well, to answer this question, let me, let me just give you an example. Because now two kids on the, on the school ground probably isn't a great example. But try this. Okay, could you keep friendship with a Jewish person during the Holocaust and be close personal friends of Adolf Hitler at the same time? Could you? No. Because by loving one, you are despising the other. Right? By being loyal to one, you are hating the other. Right? Your Jewish friend would be they would be utterly and completely insulted and disgusted by you and your friendship with that murderer. 
And then Adolf Hitler would look and say, oh, you're friendly with them? I'm going to kill you. It ain't going to work. And such is the contrast, and even greater, of the world and God. You cannot be friends with the world and God. If you love the world, you, even though you may declare in your mind, and you may even deceive yourself thinking, oh, I love God, but if you love the world and the things of the world and the appetites of the world, you do not love God, you hate Him. And if you love God, you do not love the appetites of the world. You hate them. Does that make sense? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Do you know God is a jealous God? And you know what? This isn't like the over-possessive jealousy, like the jealous boyfriend, like, are you talking to that guy? Are you looking at that guy? Are you? That's not what he's talking about. Okay, do you know that husbands are supposed to be jealous for their wives? Do you know wives are supposed to be jealous for their husbands? Let me give you an example. Okay, Bryson, you guys are walking along. You see some guy checking out your wife. It would be utterly disgusting if you said, oh, you want her? There you go. No, you look at a guy checking out your wife, you go like, you puff up the chest a little bit, elevate the lats, right? It's like, you, you do that. Why? Because you're supposed to be jealous of your wife. She's your wife. Ladies, same thing, right? Some lady starts checking out your guy. You're not just sitting there like, oh, you want him? Here, enjoy. I'll be back. I'm going to go shopping. You guys have fun, right? No, no, that's disgusting, right? And God's spirit is jealous for you. You are his bride. He loves you. He purchased you back from death. He bought you from the cross. And he, doesn't, he didn't buy you from the cross so you can go and like be in the arms of the devil, Right? He loves you. He's supposed to be jealous. But even still, he gives more grace. For our weakness, he gives us more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, the first thing, in verse 1, it says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Right? Remember I said, where love is lacking, something will fill its space. Right? Here at the very end in verse 6, we have the answer. What fills the space? Well, oftentimes pride. Right? Pride and all the things that are attached to it. The lust, the anger, the desire. Right? It all comes flooding in. And you know, in the end, this is the conclusion. Pride is the problem. Humility is the answer. Right? Can you have agape in your heart and then be filled with pride? Can, are, are those things, can, can, they, can, can they occupy the same space? Pride, which is arrogancy, the demand to be right, you know, me, 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 and then also have, you know, others first and bear all the burdens and not be provoked and don't be puffed up and, and all of that. Can, th- can those two things occupy the same space at the same time? Can those two things occupy the same heart at the same time? No. No, not really. Right, not really. So really in the end, what it, what James is getting at here is like, guys, the church has a pride issue. We've got a pride issue. Right? I don't, I don't need it. Like I said, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands tonight. Because I already know it's in all of us. I've got a pride issue. I do. Right? Talk to Heidi. I have a, he, always gets, he always thinks he's right. Well, of course, I wouldn't say it if I wasn't right. Right? The church has a pride issue. And we need to solve that pride issue by a little humility. We need to seek God and say, Lord, teach us to love. 
Teach us to be humble. Teach us to bear one another's burdens. Teach us to think of others first. Guys, that is the walk of a mature believer. That is what James is calling us. That's the anaconda strangling us. Anybody here struggled to understand that? This passage of scripture, is it above somebody in here? If it is, come to see me afterward. But I don't think anybody's going to come up and see me afterward. But it's like, it's not. Cookie jars right down there on the coffee table. It's easy. But at the same time, does everybody here feel convicted by the fact of the pride that we have within our own hearts? You should. If you don't, then you missed it. Listen to this study online. Okay? Because it's something that we all deal with. It's something that is within every single one of us. And guys, we need to love more fervently. We need to minister to one another in purity and in truth. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, it is concentrate and it is powerful. And Lord, we just pray that you would just help us to apply these things to our lives. Help us to be men and women who are selfless instead of selfish. Help us to be men and women who think of others first. Who, when we desire something, we ask you. And if you say no, Lord, then that we would be content with what we have. Help us to be men and women who love. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. We want to give ourselves entirely to you. Lord, if there is any unclean way within us, if there is pride occupying even one corner of the chambers of our heart, Lord, we pray that you would reveal it to us, Lord, that we might repent of it and cast it down and walk away from it, never to pick it up again. Thank you, Jesus, for being so faithful. We love you with all of our hearts. Amen.